Welcome back, my teacher friends. This is episode five of the Beyond Measure podcast. The Beyond Measure podcast is for independent music teachers who find themselves craving a little bit more camaraderie with others in our profession. You know, I had an unusual number of occasions this past week to chat with fellow music teachers. Um, I had even some actual in-person meetings. Uh, We talked a lot over Zoom, over the phone, and I engaged with several of you in social media chats. And I just have to say, it made such a difference in my approach to everything this entire week. So I really hope this podcast helps you feel more connected with the people in our profession because the truth is there are just so many incredible human beings out there doing this work every day. Today's episode is titled Cheers to the Quiet Ones. Because here's the thing, we all love our students who come in and approach each of their lessons with tons of enthusiasm and, you know, the ones that are just really naturally charismatic, they're super charming and they make jokes and they try really hard and they have no inhibitions and they give us lots of funny stories to share with our teacher friends, right? (laughs) Those naturally charming, engaging students are quite likely already succeeding in lots of other areas, and that's fantastic. And believe me, I'm not trying to discredit the importance of our work in their lives as well. I know we're providing those enthusiastic students with a really important relationship as well. But I can't help but think about those other students, (laughs) the ones who come in and don't have much to offer in the conversation department. The ones who are super timid in trying new things or even just, again, just basic human interactions uh, between, you know, teacher-student dynamic. So those are the students who I feel like are probably struggling to feel connected with other teachers and friends and other adults in their lives and who probably stand the most room for benefit from our private lessons. Go ahead and kick back and let your anytime piano teacher friend here tell you a little story. (laughs) So in addition to operating a fairly large independent studio from my home, I also teach adjunct at Taylor University, which is a beautiful private college here in Indiana. And I have been teaching there off and on for many years now, and I believe it was probably around 13 years ago that I was teaching my first lecture course, and that was like the gen ed basic music appreciation class. It was a pretty large class, and I really loved teaching the content of that course. Uh, There's something about the opportunity to introduce students to new music and to uh, rid them of their preconceptions about opera and other types of music that they might not feel that excited about initially. But I digress. So I was teaching this course for the first time, and in general, I was really happy with the reception I was getting from the students. I felt like, by and large, they were very enthusiastic 
enthusiastic, they participated, they appeared to laugh at my jokes, all was going well. But I did have one student, this young lady in the back corner of that class, and I can still picture her to this day, and she would come in and she would be pretty slouchy in her chair, and she would not crack a smile or make eye contact with me the entire class. <laughs> and instead of reaching out to her like I would do now, I actually just convinced myself that she hated me and couldn't stand my class and that she was just miserable there every hour that we met. <laughs> so the time came when my supervisor, the director of the school, um, mentioned that he was going to come to class and give me an observation. And he came to class class went fine. But of course, he had like 99 different kids he could have sat next to. <laughs> and of course, he sat next to that one girl who I was convinced was just not a fan of mine. <laughs> so he started chatting with her after class. And I'm watching them as they keep talking as my students are like filing out the door. The room's almost empty. They are still talking. And my heart was in my stomach because I just thought she was probably laying it on him about, you know, just how terrible of a teacher I was and how unhappy she was with this course. And of course, as life would have it, maybe you already see this coming, but as he and I sat down a few minutes later to go over my evaluation, uh, one of the first things he shared was this great conversation he had with this nice young woman in my class all about the many, many things that she loved about my class. <laughs> and he proceeded to tell me like bullet points of all the things she pointed out that she enjoyed. And it was a really lovely, really kind, thoughtful list of qualities of mine that I really enjoyed hearing reflected from the eyes of a student. I couldn't believe it because all that time I was 100% convinced she was miserable. My friends, this is just one of a million examples I could give you to illustrate the fact that we just never know what our quiet students are actually thinking. So this topic of quiet students is one that has always meant something to me and something that I've taken careful note of over the years, but especially the past... I don't know, six or eight years, because I happen to have a child of my own who very much fits this same profile. So I have devised basically three points that I want to talk about today that I hope will help you in your interactions with these very quiet, sometimes painfully so, students. Point number one is something I'm going to call don't force it. <laughs> I'm sure it may be fairly evident that I am a person who carries with her a certain high level of energy. And that, of course, uh, bleeds over into my teaching. And a lot of students love my very enthusiastic approach to lessons, but there are certainly students out there for whom it has proven to be just a little too much. <laughs> and I will say this, that reflecting upon my teaching past, one of my rookie mistakes that took me longer than it should have to figure out 
is the fact that if you have a lower energy student or someone who is very reserved, it is not necessarily helpful for you to then raise your levels of energy. (laughs) I know that I definitely fell into that trap on more than one occasion where I would have a student who seemed kind of nervous or reserved. And I was convinced that if I became more and more boisterous, I would pull them out of their shell and we'd be off to having a great time. But specifically with anxious students, um, a lot of times they're very sensitive to the volume of your voice. So things like being louder or waving your arms around in bigger motions (laughs) is not necessarily the way to put them at ease. So obviously this concept of don't force it certainly applies to us teachers and the energy levels that we're bringing to our studios. You know, we should never push ourselves into any kind of disingenuous mental space, right? (laughs) Students will pick up on that right away and it's not going to help us out. Uh, But at the same time, the idea of don't force it can also apply to what we are expecting from our students. You know, I know many well-intentioned educators who have interacted poorly without meaning to um, with this type of student. You know, things like challenging them with statements like, well, I'm not moving on until you give me a smile, or, you know, pushing them for an answer to a question, or even just kind of passive statements like, oh, I see we're being quiet today, or, you know, all of these little quips that can actually compile in a student's brain and they might not seem like a big deal to us but they can really make an anxious student feel very uncomfortable and my friends we have to remember that what we often perceive as shyness is actually childhood anxiety And if you're familiar with any of the research, we know that this is a condition that is more and more rampant in our young people today, of course, passing on through adulthood. And we owe it to our profession and to our students to make sure that we are continually learning more and aware of how what we say is affecting our students. You know, again, what we perceive as shy behavior is sometimes just so much more. And even seemingly harmless things like really pushing a student to give you a smile or to answer a question or to look you in the eye when they're speaking to you or, you know, the list goes on and on. Those things for an anxious child can be crippling. Okay, so that was point number one, don't force it. Point number two, I am calling stay the course. (laughs) Here is a common scenario that I'm sure many of you can relate to. So you have a student that starts with you in elementary school and your relationship is solid. They appear to enjoy their lessons. They're polite. They're engaged. They're funny. You know, you know they love you. But gradually, as they begin to enter middle school or somewhere along their educational journey, they become more withdrawn. You know, they're smiling less, they give shorter answers, 
And in general, you just get the impression that they don't care anymore. They don't care about their lessons. They don't care about you, you know, and and it's just kind of obvious that you're in a bit of a piano funk, right? (laughs) So if you're anything like me, this is the point where you begin to take this very personally and you just assume they hate you. (laughs) But friends, I am going to offer you this kind but yet blunt reminder that this is not about you. (laughs) Instead, I beg you to consider things from their perspective. So we all know that that path between adolescence and adulthood is paved with lots of strife, (laughs) biological and sociological and all of those things. Uh, You know, none of us are surprised necessarily when our students undergo personality shifts and swings through these years. Um, You know, I think anyone who understands human development knows that this is par for the course. And at the same time, I also know from chatting with lots of teachers over the years that we begin to, again, take these changes kind of personally, and we assume it's something we are doing. So we stop asking our students how they're doing because they appear to hate that question and they don't answer us anyway. And we stop making jokes because we think that they hate our jokes. And all of a sudden, you know, we're not pushing them as hard because you don't think they want you to push them. So you're letting them kind of eke by on the bare minimum. And, you know, again, this is not leading to a particularly engaging lesson experience, right? From the student's perspective, they notice this change in you, you know, just like you know them because they've been in your studio for all these years, then, you know, they know what you bring to the table. And if they sense those shifts in you, then these totally insecure individuals who are full of questions now perceive that their teacher is giving up on them. You know, this person that has been so important to their lives and who always had their back is now appearing withdrawn and as though they're giving up on them. And that must be a terrible feeling for these poor growing kids. It really breaks my heart. And so while I understand it, I just hope that we can all take a moment and check ourselves and remember that all the times we wonder what people are thinking about us, (laughs) those people are still always questioning what we think about them. So yeah, point number two, stay the course. If you make a lot of jokes in your lessons, keep making jokes. Keep asking the questions. Keep pushing your standards. You know, all of those things. I think students of any age who find themselves in the middle of a time where their life feels full of changes, I think those students always appreciate the consistency and that reliability that their music teacher can offer them. So friends, stay the course. And now that brings us to the last point for today, which I am calling do the job. And by doing the work, I mean that we as teachers have a responsibility to set our students up for success. You know, and this is true of all students, but particularly those who struggle with self-esteem or assertiveness or who are just very reluctant to try new things. We, as their music instructor, 
have such an opportunity to help these students find something in which they can really grow and express themselves and flourish in. For me, that really translates into knowing the repertoire. I think that the most effective teachers are those who are constantly keeping up on new publications as well as digging through the treasure troves of music that we've had for centuries. And it's a big part of the job. It's an overwhelming part of the job. But I pride myself in the ability to outfit students with just the right pieces that are going to help them really shine. And there you have it, my friends, my big three reminders for working with those dear, precious, sweet, quiet students. (laughs) One, don't force it. Two, stay the course. And three, do the job. So I have a challenge for you because I would love for you to take a moment and think about your quietest student at the moment. Or if it's not a quiet student, I want you to think about the student that you feel the most strained in your communications at the moment, or the one where you feel like you have sort of an awkward relationship with right now. And I just want you to consider your communications to that student. Think about what you say, how you say it, how your body looks when you say it, all of those kinds of things. And I just want you to really think analytically for a moment and remember that any indication, regardless of how small, but any indication you give them that they are not 100% perfectly accepted the way they are, any of those things are going to hinder their ability to trust you and therefore hinder their ability to reach peak musicianship with you. You know, don't joke about the quietness. Don't compare them to other students. You know, don't push them to do things that don't really actually matter. You know, students who are already struggling to feel comfortable are only going to feel worse if they perceive any type of pressure to behave differently, you know, especially if that is to gain your approval in any way. I believe with every fiber of my being that it is so important for us to make intentional efforts to affirm those students that come to us without a wildly natural sense of confidence. But really, of course, who among us wouldn't benefit from someone looking at us in the eye and telling us with genuine sincerity, hey, I believe in you. I think you are capable of doing really great things, and I am one of your biggest fans. And so, as we prepare to wrap up today, this is me raising my very large, very full cup of coffee to you, my fellow teacher friends. (laughs) Music teacher friends of the world, today we are turning the tables, and today we are going to celebrate the quiet ones. (laughs) I want you to think for a moment about your quietest student or students. Um, If you can't think of any quiet students, I want you to think about the most hard-to-read student that you have. Go ahead, name them right now. As you think about this student, what can you do to help reinforce a genuine connection with that student? 
What mistakes have you made with that student? It's okay to name them. In fact, I think as you name mistakes that you have made, they help set you free. So go ahead, claim it right now. I give you permission. Can you name three great accomplishments that this student has done recently? Reflect on that for a few more minutes today and really think about all the good that is coming from their studying with you. And so my teacher friends, we raise our glasses to those quiet students that we love. We know they are thoughtful and they are perceptive. They are sensitive, they are deep thinkers. We know they are often perfectionistic in their mindsets and they are usually very eager to please us as their teachers. And that is so endearing. So as you reflect on your quiet students today, I hope that this has refreshed you and given you new perspective on how you can better serve them in their lessons. And by the way, teacher friends, just in case one of you are a quiet one, (laughs) I do hear there are quiet music teachers out there. It is definitely not me, (laughs) but I just wanted to tell you today that I believe in you I think you are capable of doing really great things. And by the way, even if I don't know you, just by the fact that you are a music teacher, I am one of your biggest fans. So keep doing the great work. And just like that, we put a wrap on episode number five. Hey, look, that's a whole hand. (laughs) And I continue to be so grateful to be here with you. Thank you for your interactions and your messages and all of the great things you're doing to help affirm me. And you can always find us on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Measure Podcast. Uh, I, of course, appreciate your very kind reviews on Apple Podcasts. And that's all I've got for you today, my friends. So I hope you have a great day and we'll see you soon. (laughs) 